This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have the dream team in studio, Michelle and Dion, taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it is Thursday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live. And taking your calls all hour long, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So today, we welcome... Welcome Gary Burnison, CEO of Corn Ferry, the world's largest executive recruiting and talent development firm. Corn Ferry has about 8,000 employees and 100 offices in 50 countries around the world. Gary has written several books, and his latest is Lose the Resume, Land the Job. And he's here today to share all the proven tips from Corn Ferry experts on how to get the job you want. Welcome to the show, Gary. Well, thank you, Doctor. I thought I was going to tell you about all my problems. And you oh, gonna you're going to do Well, you can, you can do that as well, as long as they're career-related, <laughs> which <laughs> I'm going to guess, as the CEO of, of the world's largest executive search firm, you know all the answers, no? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> which is why you wrote the book, Lose the Resume, well, Land the Job. The book. Yeah, we wrote the book because, you know, what we found is I I think most people do more research in terms of buying a washing machine than they do in uh, where they want to work. Yeah, I read Um, that in your book, and I think you're right. I think that is so true. So, So people end up in the wrong jobs. People end up in the wrong jobs, and they and they what they automatically do is they they go to the resume. So you you sit there and you put a post-it pad on your refrigerator that you hate your boss and you want to get a new job, and you feel stuck. And we've all felt that. And immediately you go in front of the computer or you get out a piece of paper and you start to get writer's block. And you wow, is this a verb? Is it an adjective? Uh, am I Hemingway? Suddenly nothing ends up on that paper after three hours you get frustrated and you quit. Or you just blindly send out a resume. And if you're doing that, you just will go down to 7-Eleven and, and you know, scratch a lottery ticket. So why do you think so many people are unhappy in their jobs, Gary? Um, I think it's it's a couple things. It's number one, their boss. I, I think people leave bosses; they don't leave companies. Mm-hmm. Second is culture, um, and third is they're not learning and, and growing. And and so people focus on the money and the title, which we know we all have to do. And so I, I was raised in Kansas, didn't have any money, first one to go to college. I, I get all of that. I totally get all that. But, you know, we forget kind of the right brain side of things, Um, you know, what the culture is going to be, whether I'm learning, who my boss is going to be. Those things are big, big deals. So people get into they don't think a lot about about the career they're getting into. Maybe they're lured by a an impressive title or a high salary. And then all of a sudden they wake up 10, 15, 20 years later and they're thinking, wow, this isn't who I am. Uh, yeah, it's not even 15 or 20 years later. I mean, you know, you, you kind of get caught up in the money or the title and you, you read the job description, uh, then you show up for work. <laughs> and, and, you, and, you know, you, you saw all these fancy words and all this great stuff in terms of what the job was, and, but actually it's totally different when you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why people have to do their homework. And such why you wrote the book, Lose the Resume, Land the Job, because the first thing people do is dust off the resume. And as you point out in your book, the resume is is about 10% of the job search. But that's where people spend the most time. It's absolutely 10%. People spend 90% of their time on, on the resume. You're absolutely right. So if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Gary Burnison, the CEO of Corn Ferry. Hey, if you've always had a question about 
how executive search firms work, or if you have a question about his book, Lose the Resume, Land the Job, or maybe you just want to figure out what you want to do in 2018, you are on the right channel. Sirius XM Channel 111, you're listening to Career Talk, and we're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So I'm going to ask you as the CEO of the, the largest search firm, Gary, what are the trends you're seeing in terms of hiring for 2018? Um, skills, skills, skills. Um, you know, it's um, there, there's some knockout punches that um, that that you have to have if you if you really want to continue to progress uh, uh, up the ladder, so to speak. Um, you know, one of those is is global. You the companies are increasingly increasingly looking for people that are borderless, so people that can that can cross cultures, uh, people that have lived in different places. That that that's that's number one. Um, secondly, is whether they can deal with ambiguity, and so th- because the world is changing so fast, um, th- there's not clear lines around things like like there used to be. Um, and, and the third is, is what we found at Corn Ferry, which is just good old-fashioned curiosity that, mm-hmm. that we believe that learning agility, and you know this, uh, that learning agility is, you know, uh, a predictor for success, not, not only for CEO success, but, but executive success. And one of the things I like about your book, Gary, that I, I don't see a lot of other books going into this, but because of your perspective, you do talk about what the organizations who are hiring are looking for. And you you really make a, I mean, it's pretty blunt in there, the fact that you can't just expect to slide by and have some good skills on the resume and expect to get hired because the competition is getting stiffer and companies want people who are, are hungry. That's kind of a takeaway I took from your book. So can you explain more of that and what what companies are really looking for in, in the resume, in the in, interview process when they're hiring people those intangible qualities you you can't teach hustle so it's it's the same on a basketball court as it is in the corporate world uh you i i would i would absolutely hire hunger over pedigree any day we were at an ivy league school recently 50 resumes uh out of those 50 resumes we only um are gonna you know interview 10 people uh, in in depth, and and the reason why is because when we got into it and started to to meet these kids at a great great school, we found that they did not have a right brain. <laughs> in other words, they were great on the left side, mm-hmm. so they're they're straight A's, you know, six point sevens, four point threes, you know, triple medals, uh, perfect SAT scores, but in terms of communicating and in terms of relating to other people, they they didn't have it. Um, and unfortunately, we're in a world that seems to be going towards, you know, very analytical type skills, and we forget the right brain. And the right brain is going to be a huge, huge determinant in, in your success. So how do you suggest, I mean, we're, we're coming up a couple of months away from from graduation time, so there might be people who are listening who are in schools or parents of students who are graduating college or things like that. I mean, what are some of those things that, that individuals can be doing to develop that right brain? You know, for, first of all, uh, millennials, so people coming out of college are going to have many jobs. Okay, so I'm a baby boomer. I'm going to work for five companies. So it's pretty accepted today um, that you're going to explore and you're going to try different things. And, and so I believe in, you know, in failing fast but learning faster. So it is going to be an exploration at the beginning. There's no doubt about it. And it doesn't have the stigma that it did, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago where you were considered a job hopper. Um, so, so that's number one. Number two is when it comes to brand, you know, creating a brand for yourself, in, including your resume. You know, as you get older, you've got to focus on accomplishment and not so much the activity. As somebody coming out of school, you're going to focus more on the activity and not necessarily the accomplishment. But I would go through the, the steps that um, I suggest in the book. So, so number one. And it's harder. Look, it's harder when you're coming out of college because you haven't really seen the world. 
that's why you have to explore. But you you really want to try to tap into your purpose, and and because you know if you're happy. Um, you're probably going to be motivated. If you motivated, you're going to outperform, and you're going to continue to learn. Remember that, that that is the number one predictor of success. Are you a lifelong learner? Mm-hmm. And we hear that term a lot, lifelong learner, and a lot of people love to describe themselves as a lifelong learner. But I, I think when you really dig into it, there's a lot of different meanings and a lot of ambiguity around that. So, so I know you talk about that in the book as well. But can you can you speak to what you define as a lifelong learner and as as you know working for an executive search firm, how you would notice that in a candidate? What could they be doing to show you they're a lifelong learner, Gary? Well, as you know, we actually, you know, we actually assess for that. We we test for that. But, you know, curiosity, you're right. It it comes in it comes in many forms. But, you know, do you try new things? Do you listen to different types of music? Um do you branch out in terms of your network? Um, do you read different things? Are you are you open-minded, closed-minded? Do you look in the mirror before you look you know, to others. Um, you know, all of those things are, are good old-fashioned curiosity. But, mm-hmm. you know, what, learning agility, you know, I'll give you an example, is, is, is people agility, right? So we make decisions on the other person within seven seconds. And whether you like that, don't like that, it is a reality. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about that when you're interviewing, but you also have to think about that in terms of being a lifelong learner, right? So the last thing you want to do as you go up the corporate ladder is to make those snap decisions because those snap decisions will get you in trouble. You, you have to listen, learn, then lead. You can't make that seven-second judgment on another person. Yep, you're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 111. Hey, we're on with Gary Bernison, CEO of Corn Ferry. So if you've always had a question you wanted to ask about executive search or just how to get hired, you have the the leader of the experts on Career Talk today, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. As always, we're taking your calls all hour if it's noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So, okay, so we're talking about figuring out what you want to do. And this is something that I think changes. You talked about purpose, Gary. So how do you start figuring this out? Maybe you wake up in 10 years and you think, wow, what I'm doing, I have no drive. I have no hunger. I've, I've lost that. You, you have a couple of examples in your book about people who just jumped because they knew they didn't like what they were doing, but they didn't take enough time to think about what they really wanted to do. And we say on Career Talk all the time that you're going to be much more successful if you run towards something that excites you versus running away from something that you just can't stand anymore. How do you figure that out? Yeah, you know, um, you know, people leave bosses, right? They, they, they don't leave companies. And you're right, they're, they're very, very quick to jump. So I would, you know, in terms of this self-exploration, I, I would go through assessments. Like, I, you know, we have it on KF Advance. Um, well, there's, there, we have it in the book as well. The, the, the starting point is to be introspective. So um, you can do that through assessment. You can also do that the good old-fashioned way by asking people that, you know, you worked with, hey, what's your perception of me? What did you think of me? What, where are my strengths? Where are my blind spots? You know, you don't have to necessarily take a psychometric assessment. You can do it the, the, the good old-fashioned way. But, but you've got to actually find some quiet time and be reflective. And so, you know, do you like music? Do you like uh, model, you know, railroad car, cars? I mean, so, okay, maybe you like music and, well, you, you're not going to be Beyonce or Jay-Z. Okay, so that's out. But, but you take that and say, hmm, so maybe I'm creative, and you start to think about then, okay, what are the industries, what are the sectors that could gravitate towards being creative? And then actually target the companies um, rather than being you know, plucked out of the ocean. I mean, you know, it was, you, you think about your first job, and what did you do? You, you went down to the grocery store, you went down to the ice cream shop, and, and you filled out an application. Well, what happened? Well, a friend probably told you that that's a great place to work. 
And so why is it 10, 20, 30, 40 years later you forget that? And, and so the basic premise of the book is take control of your career uh, and target the places you want to work that are tied to your purpose and get that warm introduction into the company. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We are talking with Gary Bernison, CEO of Corn Ferry, and we're taking your calls all hour at 844-WARTON, 844-942-7866. Okay, so you figured out what you wanted to do, and we the book is obviously titled Lose the Resume, Land the Job, but you do need a resume, and you do need a great resume. So resumes have not gone away. So what is it that your firm looks for in a great resume, Gary? Um, so there's a, there, there's, there's a couple different dimensions to that. Um, n- number one, we want to see a career progression. So we want to see increases in scale, in scope, in size. So I quickly scan a resume, and what I'm looking for, much like a stepladder, is I better be seeing... Uh, starting from the earliest job to the most recent in terms of how I scan the resume. That's not how to do the resume. You start with the most recent job. But in terms of how I scan it, I'm looking at increasing levels of responsibility, and I'm looking at brands. I'm not reading all the fine print that people spend so much time on. So the, so the first thing we're looking for is increasing, you know, responsibility levels. Um, because that means that you were successful at what you did and you got promoted. That That's kind of number one. Number two, I'm looking at logos. I'm looking at brands, who you worked for. And number three, I'm looking for gaps. So if there are gaps, that's going to be red flags. So, so those are the three things when I scan a resume, and I will scan a resume in 20 seconds, and that's what I'm looking for. So, And I want to talk about that because you brought up a lot of things about red flags, and I, I get the hiring process is one of elimination, not selection. So, so you're talking about gaps. You're talking about um, – things that are progression or big company names. And this is not something that everybody has on the resume. So I do want to get back to this because I think it's really important if if those things are potential red flags that we help listeners address them. But first, we're going to go to Roxanne in Texas. Roxanne, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Essentially, my situation is I've worked for or as a flight attendant for about 30 years. And throughout that time, it's lent a purpose of me being able to go to school. And at this point, I'm uh, defending my dissertation. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. For organizational psychology. However, during this process, I've been putting out some resumes. And I've never even had an interview. So, uh, you know, I have the, not the experience, but the level of knowledge probably more so than any experience. But I'm at the top of my game as far as the flight attendant position. So you're you're kind of you're a switcher. You're trying to switch from um, being in one field and going to another. And so you've actually called them the perfect day because Gary, this this is what your firm hires for. So I, I think I think Roxanne, you should you should get in touch with Gary. Help, uh, Gary. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's uh, or Dr. Graham. I mean, she's she's this is in right you know in her wheelhouse too. But so um, absolutely. So you obviously are great with people. Um, you wouldn't be a flight attendant for 30 years with all the craziness. Because for some reason, when we get in an airplane, we change. I don't know what it is, but we are, we are great human beings. Uh, then the minute we step on that plane, we become, you know what? So, so you're obviously well adept with, with people. And you want to help people, and so now you're going into into psychology, and you, and you know you want to do organizational consulting, which is exactly what we do. So, so there are lots of companies uh, that are in the organizational consulting field, and and the key, whether you want to be a coach or you want to 
whatever you want to be in that field or a psychologist and Dr. Graham knows it's better than I do. Um, and, and so the way to do it is to, to pick those companies and do the six degrees of separation, get that warm introduction into one of those one of those companies. And Roxanne, that's okay. actually the, the way I did it. I, I used to work for Corn Ferry, as Gary knows, and about six months Nine months before I started uh, or before I graduated with my PhD, I started reaching out and finding people who were connected to some of the largest firms and talking okay. to them and looking at what are the differences in the firms and what are the ones that are attractive to me. Um, something else I want to recommend too, especially in this kind of uh, market that we're in, is a lot of these firms tend to hire more contract workers because there's busier times and less busy times. So I don't know if have you tried going that route to say that, you know, I'll, I'll take a contract or even a part-time role just so that you can kind of get your foot in the door? I have not considered that. Um, I have to, you know, have a certain level of income coming in because I have a child and I'm a single parent and I also am with having my mom uh, full-time. So I have not really considered that, but obviously I need to have a jumping out off point and this would certainly seem like a reasonable thing to consider. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of firms, too, ha- like to hire people in at, at more of a kind of associate level. And so you work your way up. And so that might be something else that can help you get in the foot in the door, depending on if you're you're kind of willing to step in as as more of an associate. So, Roxanne, congratulations, first of all. That's a huge accomplishment to get your doctorate. And secondly, I think to Gary's point, if you pinpoint the, the top six or seven companies and start looking at your network and reaching out, out, those are going to lead to people putting your resume on, on the desk of the right people and you getting calls. So congratulations. May best I ask you course. one more uh, quick question? You may. So being in middle life, uh, I'm 50 years old, I'm mm-hmm. certainly, you know, there. And how do I get an edge with my age being certainly a consideration in some areas? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this comes up on the show a lot that th- the fact is it's a reality that yeah. obviously you're making a switch as well. So as Gary was talking about a few minutes ago, companies are always looking for those red flags. So do you have a gap in your resume? Do you, you know, is there there is an age concern going on? So I think a couple of the things that we recommend is, is again, the networking can help override a lot of this because, Gary, when you when you address this issue, what are what are some of the things that your consultants coach their clients to do when they're interviewing for for roles and this type of bias comes up? You know, I, personally, I could care less. You know, we're going to live to 119 years old. So 50 is outstanding because 50, you've got experience, right? So I could sit there and ask you questions about what happened on airplane flights. And I bet there's like, you're going to tell funny, nightmarish stories, right? So experience matters. Um, and the other thing I'd suggest, you know, I, I overlooked it. Because of your, you know, in, in the transportation industry, so you've got an incredible worth to companies that are in the business of transportation. So whether that's airlines, whether that's, uh, you know, train, whatever it is, you've got that experience. So, you know, not only look at consulting firms, but think about actually airlines and going into an Mm -hmm. HR part of the organization and helping flight attendants deal with the madness of who we are once we get on an airplane. (laughs) Gary, part of me really now wants to see what you're like on an airplane. If you keep bringing that up. I think that's phenomenal <laughs> advice, Roxanne, because the transportation industry is is one of the ones that is just booming as we're trying to figure out how to get people and things and products from one place to another. And there's a lot of internal roles that are looking for organizational development individuals. The other thing I would say is that in this particular field, um, actually having experience can be more of a benefit than a detriment because I remember trying to get into the field and I had the opposite bias that you don't know enough, you haven't lived enough, you haven't experienced enough to be able to consult people on these issues. So I feel like, as Gary mentioned, taking your your years of experience and packaging them into here's what I bring to the table as a consultant is actually going to be a huge benefit, particularly in an industry where you have those 
deep skills and deep knowledge. Best of luck to you, Roxanne. I'm so excited you called today, um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing how things turn out for you. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Gary Burnison, CEO of Corn Ferry, and we're going to go to Xavier in Kansas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Xavier. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me all right? We got gotcha. you. All right, so before I ask the question, I guess I'm going to kind of fill fill in a little bit on where, where I am at and where I'm from and kind of, kind of lead up to the question. So, okay. As you know, my name is Xavier, and I'm currently stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas, and I have served for almost three years now in the in the Army. And I'm about to transition outside of the Army and start my start my career in whichever direction I decide to take. And my issue right now is ever since I was in high school and below high school and then when I graduated, I've always had this passion for work and just had always just wanted to work and just be successful. Well, as soon as I graduated high school, I started welding on the uh, welding on the oil rigs and I loved it. It was awesome. Bumped up and then I felt like empty inside, like there was something missing. And then I ended up joining construction and then started bumping up construction. I did concrete form setting and then rebar and then kept bumping around. And I'd always talk to my bosses and I'd say, like, I'm doing good and I'm working hard, but I just feel like I'm missing something. And then it's like I joined the military and it was almost the same thing. Like I felt like I started learning and seeing and doing a lot of lot of things that I've learned a lot but I still feel this empty side in me and hearing Gary speak earlier one thing that he said was um like what what kind of music do you listen to or like like I've had this thought where or like when he's talking about the washer and dryer some people will take so much time to research the washer and dryer but won't even take the time to research the job and for me it's like I take so much time thinking that I want to be successful, but I won't even take five minutes to read a book that, you know, a successful person wrote. And so, so Xavier, let me try and, and summarize this because you thank you for all the background and also thank you for your service. So, so if I'm hearing you, it, does it? Am I catching that you really like something when you start doing it and then you lose interest? Is that kind of the gist of the, or you just still haven't found what your passion is? Yes. Yeah. So it seems like even if I feel as if I'm passionate about something, I end up losing interest somehow. And I don't I don't know why. Like okay. when I started welding on the oil rigs, I loved it. And then I moved on. And then So same thing with I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no. So so this is interesting because I think there's a couple of things I'm thinking about right now and I'm just gonna put them out there. So I, I think you know, when we talk about passion or purpose, it, it usually comes across as if everybody has one. But I think that's pretty dangerous because not – I mean, everybody has multiple interests, multiple passions, multiple things they want to do in their life, different things that excite them. Some translate into a job and you can get paid for that. Others – continue to stay hobbies and that's okay and then some change some things you're really interested in and then once you learn it it sounds to me like you really love learning so it, what Gary was talking about earlier you kind of have this this um, love of constant learning and for some people throughout their lives they're they're always going to want to find something where they can learn and grow and there's a lot of different options than just one career so there's portfolio careers which is a variety of different things there's gigs there's there's so many things but you're you're very early in your career so it's possible that you're still in the exploration phase and I think that sounds like where you're struggling is okay I'm in this exploration phase I do a lot of thinking but I'm not quite there yet Gary what is your advice for Xavier well, first of all, the doctor is in the house, right? Because that was incredibly insightful. I, I wouldn't have, I that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. So, so Xavier, she's right. So, y you know, you obviously get very excited about something at the beginning, and 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 like Dr. Graham said, my, my son is at West Point right now. So I know Fort Riley, Kansas. I was raised in McPherson, Kansas. And as she said, you know, to to join the to join the army is just uh, it's unbelievable sacrifice. So so thank you. 
But I think that, um, you know, following her insight, it's kind of like, okay, you're exploring um, – and, and if she's right, then you you want to go into something that's going to be changing all the time. And and, and that's the exploration you have to do um, in, in terms of where she's pointing you. So if that is the case, then you're going to have to think about those jobs that are like every minute is different. You know, like, like every day is different. It's not the same old thing. So, and, and yeah, and I'm going to layer onto that, Gary, because you, you made me think of something in addition to that. There probably is, Xavier, parts of your job that you love, and it, it could be not actually the work. It could be the people you work with. It could be the interactions. It could be that you love working against a deadline. It could be that you love working with your hands or working and, you know, kind of building up a sweat and, and feeling like you, you physically put in a good day. So I think your next step is to find what parts of those day do you lose time in? So are there there are things in all of those jobs that there's a pattern where I lose time when I'm really focused on getting a project done under deadline or I'm really focused on on you know building something with a team and having to collaborate. So think about those things. Or I'm really I'm really loving when I'm given a challenge that's like impossible to solve and I really have to kind of dig into it and use my creative side. Because I think when you start looking at these things, you're going to see that in each of the jobs you've had this whatever this is for you exists and then you're going to be able to take that and build on it. The good news is that because I hear you're feeling a little bit lost, is that every single one of your experiences is helping you get to that answer. So every single thing you're doing is helping you figure it out. It's helping you build skills that are going to look great on a resume and in a job interview. And you are doing the tough work. You're doing the tough work of reflecting and introspecting, which a lot of people don't do. But one thing I would say is there can be a danger to doing that is that you get stuck in your head or stuck in assessments or stuck in a place where analysis paralysis. So the best thing you can do when that happens is take action. Keep doing things. Keep doing things to find that that thing you love. And then remember, you might not love it forever, but that's okay. In our day and age, people are, are have the freedom to do so many things. So keep that passion because it sounds like it's bringing you to some great things, Xavier. Hey, thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. We're taking your calls all hour long at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you're on the phone, please hang on. We're going to go to a quick break and then we'll be right back with you. We're here with Gary Burnison, CEO of Corn Ferry. And right now we're going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Yes, and it's tax season. And in 2017, nearly 45% of taxpayers experienced this when filing as compared to 2016. In 2017, nearly 45% more taxpayers experienced this when filing than in 2016. Think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, Dream Team in studio, taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we are here today with Gary Burnison, who is the CEO of Corn Ferry. Hey, Gary, where can people reach you or learn more about your new book? LoseTheResume.com, or it's on uh, Amazon. <clears throat> You also mentioned a website where people can take assessments. Can you can you remind us of that website? Uh, kfadvance.com. Uh, com. Kfadvance dot And there's and there's also in the book there's uh, there's assessments as well. Perfect. So we are going to dive right back into calls, and we're going to go to Carrie in Ohio. Carrie, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah. I am I, I am a mid-career level marketing and communications professional. I have worked really hard to um, put some really great brands on my resume as well as have evolution in my 
my titles, what I've been doing. And, um, but I have, for lack of better terms, been recessioned twice. I've been um, laid off twice. And so, um, as Gary was mentioning, that that is one of the red flags that um, recruiters typically look for. Now, how do I, do you have any suggestions on how to navigate around that? Um, I, I, and I've also moved to a completely new state. So, um, I've, uh, been in uh, New York for the, all of my career, and I've just recently moved to Ohio. So um, I'm just curious, how can I navigate around that, those gaps, those, yeah. uh, those periods? Carrie, and, I'm and- so glad you brought this up because this was on my this was on my list to tee back up because you're you're talking about something that I think a lot of people struggle with that there's gaps on the resume you you've gone through you know recessions you've been laid off or maybe you had to take a step back just to get a job and get your foot back in the door and maybe you you've not worked for brand name companies I mean this is this is this is all of us this is pretty much everybody who's been in the workforce for any number of years is going to get hit by a few of these and that's just the reality of it so so Carrie I'm really glad you're bringing up this question. So Gary, you know, you talked earlier about some of the things that your team looks for in a resume. For for those of us who may not have that perfect track record, how can we put together a resume and how can we present ourselves in a way that that, you know, our our skills and accomplishments shine through maybe some of those those things that your team perceives as red flags? Well, we've all been there, Carrie. So I've, I've, you know, I've been in the same situation. So it's life. You know, um, the the reality is the divorce rate in the United States is fifty percent. So so pe- people know that. Um, that number one, number two, do exactly what you're doing. Be honest and don't be shy about it. Because what what we don't want to see is people that kind of hide it. That that try to. You know, they'll, they'll start to. Ch- I've seen it all. Start to change the dates on resumes. They'll 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 stretch the months. The months will go into years or weeks. I mean, it becomes it becomes kind of kind of crazy. Um, I I would go back to what we're suggesting in the book. So you're in a new state. Uh, marketing and communications right now is very hot. Uh, particularly around every company in the world trying to digitize and get and you know tap borderless consumers. So the the good news is that you've got great skills in terms of marketing and communication. Um, what I would do then, if you are in a new state, is start to target then the the companies, so industries and sectors that would really excite you. And, and then and then work the network, um, do the six degrees of separation thing, um, and get that warm introduction. And that warm introduction is even more important um, if you've been in you know an, an unfortunate situation, uh, which is Dr. Graham said, it's life. Right. It's just life. Yeah. And Carrie, um, to tag on to that, I'm not a fan, I'll just say, of the functional resume since we're we're talking a little bit about resumes, because to Gary's point, I mean, this that has been overused. People understand you're trying to hide a gap. And I feel like as somebody who's hired a number of people, I'm much more impressed by people who who own it and who, you know, come to the interview and say, you know, here's what I did. Here's how I was proactive. Here's how I took that time and you know either learned a new skill or or did x y and z or i got this job and and you know even if it was a step back i excelled in it and now i'm ready to take this and and look towards the future so i think that's going to become the new you know not trying to hide it there was a point in time when the job search when everybody's like oh do the functional resume and sort of minimize it or as gary was talking about change the dates and all that but i mean we've been through it your experience doesn't go away because you were you were laid off or because you had a gap in your resume. So own the experience, make that your brand, and get those referrals through the network because I'll tell you that that is 50% of getting the job is getting a warm referral where somebody says, hey, you really need to look at Carrie because she's got something, something great to bring to this organization. So best of luck to you, Carrie. Thanks so much for calling and good luck settling into your new home in Ohio. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM Channel 111, 844-844-942-7866. Brad in Kentucky, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today, Brad. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, so... You know, listening to some of the previous callers, um, kind of, I guess, is a little bit in line with me, but 
uh, I've been fairly successful. I have a doctoral degree. Um, I've been able to, to own businesses, and um, now I'm working, you know, in a larger company, and um, you know, really looking for what type of assessment um, is there out there that I, I've done the disc assessment. Our company offers a 360, but really to try to find how can my I I, I identify my giftedness. And what roles are there out there? What jobs are there out there, even outside of what I'm currently in, the industry-wise, uh, aligns really well with that. I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in a, in a smaller area, rural, um, you know, very myopic uh, with, with what you're thinking about you can do, you know, the lawyer, doctor, you know, whatever. And, um, and there's a lot of a lot of jobs out there that we don't even think about now, granted. Mm-hmm. I have some restrictions. I don't. I don't really want to move. I want to. I want to still live in a rural area. But with uh, technology now, you know, if you're a really good candidate, they'll make concessions on that. Yes. So, uh, really wanting to try to understand, um, you know, what can I? What kind of assessment can I do to understand? You know, cause I, I think we can all be a little bit. If we, if they ask us, okay, judge yourself on what you think your gifts are. You know, sometimes you can be really humble and say, well, I'm not really good at anything. But you are, um, and you you can ask someone else, and maybe that person doesn't see all that you do, so they don't have a really good vision for what your capabilities are. So you're looking for some sort of uh, a way to assess, you know, what what is my giftedness, and then what of all the jobs that are out there, you know, what is that aligned with? So then you can like look at what those what what that aligns with, and say, okay. This is within my wheelhouse of what I'm passionate about. Yep, and you're you're asking a question, Brad, that I think a lot of people ask at all stages of the the job search. You know, whether you're starting entry level or you're getting ready to retire and thinking about a twilight career. Is, you know, where's that assessment that tells me what I'm great at and what types of jobs that translates into? And I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe the question because I think there are a lot of great assessments. It sounds like you've done a lot of introspection. I mean, you have a, a PhD. You've done a lot of assessments like the DISC and other things that share your strengths. I mean, of course, there's others out there like Strengths Finder that can be really helpful that you can, you know, take online. In Gary's book, there's a number of them as well as his online site. So my question to you, though, as somebody with the experience level that you have is, you know, are you going to find an answer in, in an assessment? And and I'm going to venture to say that you'll get more information which is what they're great for. But I don't know that you're going to find the answer. Um, Gary, I'm, I'm really interested in you weighing in on this because this is this is something that that's central to your firm. You're the psychologist. I am. I mean, well, and I'll tell you this. Know, it, look, it, I, I, it's funny you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing. I, I, I was thinking, yeah, you've obviously, you know, um, Brad, you're very sophisticated. You've you've done these assessments. And I would go back to the old, I think I'd go back to the old fashioned way. So I would completely agree uh, with Dr. Graham here. If it was me, I would get out a piece of paper and do it the old fashioned way and say, okay, what gets me up without the alarm clock? If I think about the things that I've done, when was I really happiest? And and, and actually start to jot these things down on a piece of paper. And I, I don't know that I would get so caught up in the psychometric assessment. I would make it a little simpler if if I were giving you the advice mm-hmm. um, and go from there. I don't know what you what do you say? About well, that? you know, having worked at um, on the assessment side at Corn Ferry, I think one of the things that your firm does really well is is come at it from all angles. So sure, you have the cognitive assessments and the psychometrics and all of that stuff, but you also have the in-depth interview and the simulations and the the pieces that really help to get at people's, well, I I label, not you, but professional energy. And it's kind of like, what are those things that that you get lost in? What are those things that you look at all your jobs and you're like, yeah, was it the people? Was it the deadlines? Was it the challenge? Was it the puzzles? What are those things that you see as a pattern throughout? And the other thing I would say, Brad, and I think this is this is something a lot of people need to start thinking about 
flipped is that people look at their skills and say, I'm really great at this. So I'm going to now look at those jobs that are great um, for those skills. But in some ways that limits you because you're, you're kind of looking at, at it from here's what I'm good at and these are my only options. But sometimes I think it's better to look at it the other way. Like what is out there now? The world has changed. The market has changed. There's so many jobs that didn't exist five, 10 years ago. What is out there? And then what, what drives me? And then how can I look at my skills and find those transferable ones that fit because it's a little bit more um, in-depth than you know take filling out a couple of things on an assessment and it spitting out an answer but I think it's going to help you more and one suggestion I might have for you Brad at this stage since you are so introspective and you do put a lot of time is to work with a career coach somebody who can ask the tough questions so you know you're not going to go through a corn fairy assessment but essentially this is what they do they ask you those questions they ask you what are those things you've done tell me about your experiences tell me about what you loved tell me about this and they help you put that that information together in a way that is is um, similar to assessment but has that human component. So look online. There's a number of coaches you can find through the International Coaching Federation. Muse.com, M-U-S-E.com has a number of coaches. And I think this is a great time for you to be working with one of them because you're going to get a lot out of it. Brad, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, we need to answer our pre-break quiz because today's is a little bit of a PSA. Dion's getting ready. Dion's getting it's ready. A PSA. So it is a little bit of a PSA, which I like to do from time to time because you know it's it's our it's our moral obligation. Oh I think I know. So all right, it's tax season, and in 2017, nearly 45 percent of taxpayers experienced this when filing in, compared to 2016. But uh, but but I think we have Jerry from Ohio is gonna is gonna jump in here. Jerry, what's your answer? Uh, I would say probably not getting as much back as they anticipated. So. That's interesting. Is it? Did that happen to you, Jerry? Do you not get. Uh, usually, usually, I have a. Uh, I have to pay more. You have to pay, but that's that's good because that means you're you're actually keeping that money throughout the year, so you can invest it. So yes. So that I that's do. good accounting on your part, Jerry. That's not the answer we're looking for, but I I probably need to call you to do my taxes because you're doing it the right way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, Dion, what's your answer? But Jerry's answer was better than mine. <laughs> I was going to say, Come on, Dion. <laughs> a nervous breakdown. <laughs> That's honestly the first thing that came to my mind. That might be true. I, I really don't have data on that. That actually, I said it might be true. Oh. I didn't say oh. it is true. Oh. That, that's, Never mind. That's, <laughs> a little too trigger happy with the, the ding. <laughs> Michelle. Um, I'm going to say that they are intimidated by all the changes and they're having someone do their taxes for them. That happened to me this year. I will say that I was I was all set to do my own, and then I'm like, oh no, where's my ding? Oh my, where's my ding? But that's not right. Yeah. Oh my god, Dion. no, no. Remember this? So the PSA was the um was the hint in this one. So oh, there was a hint. Yeah, that was the hint. Sorry, I didn't oh. call it a hint. <laughs> Got to tell me when that. I should have. I was hinting it was a hint. Um. So yeah, <laughs> it's tax season. I'll do better next time, Dion. I promise. Dion like that one. It's tax season. Last year broke records for data breaches. So this is important. In 2017, there were nearly 45 percent. There was a 45 percent jump over the previous years in cyber criminals filing for you in your name, collecting your tax refund, which isn't happening to Jerry because he has to pay. So they're not they're not doing his. Um, they're not messing with Jerry. <laughs> they're not messing with Jerry. Like, no, I got a bill. Um, but then <laughs> what happens is the IRS flags this. So when you file and you're supposed to get that nice tax return, they're like, no, we already paid you. Oh, my gosh. So the PS- I would have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. So then it leads to nervous <laughs> breakdown. So that'll be the answer next year. But that hey, happened to someone I know. Really? And they actually pay every year. So I don't know why it happened to them, but it happened to them. Yeah, it's scary. Obviously, the rise of e-filing. But um, so do your, if you're whatever you're doing this weekend, make it your taxes. <laughs> 844-942-7866. So, uh, John in Texas, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today, John? Yeah, I was just calling in to ask a couple quick questions. Thank you guys for taking my call. Um, so I've had a very diverse job background, and I'm finishing up my master's and graduating in May with a commercial real estate finance degree. Congrats. And before uh, I coached gymnastics for 10 years and worked all the way up to managing up to 20 people, and when I put that on my professional resume now, it doesn't really align. 
um, is that's question one. It's like twofold. And to segue with that, I've also had education where I have two associate degrees, two certificates, and then just in 2015, I started my four-year degree and got my bachelor's finally, and then my master's concurrent since I have previous work experience in commercial real estate, now five years of brokerage to go with the 10 years of coaching. Um, and I didn't know when I go to put in a resume and I show people that, well, here's my real estate resume or here's my XYZ resume, whatever the job might be, how can I leverage the experience without it looking like I'm just doing too many different activities? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so we're kind of talking about the resume again and talking about having all of these different things and putting them together to make a coherent story for your audience. And Gary, in your book, there's something that I really like that I um, that I highlighted about writing a resume. And you know, you talk about that a resume should have one major message, and and that is this is how I made things better for my employees employers while I was there. So, you know, in answering John's question, I'm wondering if you can you can give him advice really quickly because we're wrapping up the show on, on how to put something together that's going to appeal to his audience. First of all, your your background is is great because what it what it says is you've had to work hard and and you know, you weren't given a golden spoon and you didn't go right from high school to Harvard, um, you know, that you have, you've actually had to work for it. And, and you've had to also, you've done exploration. Um, so I would, I, you know, in, when it comes to, to resumes, think about accomplishments, not activity. Because as a CEO, I'm a CEO, we've got 8,000 people in over, you know, 50 countries. What I care about is in you know I'm just going to be very candid. I don't care about your career objective. Uh, that that doesn't that doesn't. What I care about is what you're going to do for me. So as you put together your 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 background and your resume, think about accomplishments, not activity. Uh, then when it when it goes to targeting your employer and getting in that interview, the you know the the person doing the interview, what I want to know is what you're going to do for me, and and so have that mindset. So and I think John, a couple of things you mentioned that you have multiple associates degrees and and you know a lot of different things. One of the the you know the art the art of crafting a resume is not putting everything on it's putting those things that are to be most interesting to your audience and sometimes people think oh well the fact that I have all of these degrees and all these other things might be impressive but it also might be confusing so I think that's why I really love the advice about you know what's going to make the most sense to the employer and how can I put this together in a coherent picture what we know about resumes is that you don't have to include everything it's about as Gary mentioned he spends 20 seconds on a resume I want to see that you've you've accomplishments, you've worked hard, you've got that hunger, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, that hunger to come in here and do great things for the company. So, and I also think the other important part to remember is the whole topic of Gary's book, which is lose the resume, land the job, and the fact that yes, the resume does need to be well written and obviously error free, but that networking and the the hunger is really what's going to cause an employer to make that offer. So John, thank you so much for giving us a call here on Career Talk. We appreciate that. And Gary, the hour is up. So thank you so much for joining the show and for sharing all of your wisdom from Corn Ferry. Just as a reminder, lose the resume, land the job is available. And can you give the website one more time, Gary? Lose the resume.com. Perfect. And thank you, all of our listeners and callers today. I know we didn't get to everybody, but we will be back next week. Michelle and Dion, you make this show fun. And for all of you, if you want more great advice, you can follow my blog, DawnOnCareers.com. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we'll see you next time. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.